Hi there, and welcome to the Simply Living for Him podcast. I'm Karen DeBuse from Simply Living for Him. Thank you for joining me for another episode. It has been quite a week. If you were following along on Facebook, you may have seen that my entire family was so sick last week, and I am finally recovering, so I am getting back to the recording, and I am hoping not to have a coughing fit in the middle of this recording today, but it has been quite a week. We had some kind of crazy flu-like virus, because it wasn't actually the flu. Ask me how I know. I was in the ER one day with it, and they did a flu test. It was not the flu, but it was something similar, I guess, causing just as much havoc and misery. So it has been over a week of this horrible illness, and we are finally on our road to recovery. My voice is not 100%, but like I said, hopefully I won't have a coughing fit during this podcast. But it's good to be back. It's good to be back and um, trying to get back on the blog and the podcast and preparing for convention season, which is starting at the end of this month. I'll be traveling for uh, the Teach Them Diligently convention, and that's exciting. So I've got a lot of things I need to be healthy for. Today on this podcast episode, I was planning to talk about how our family keeps it simple in a not-so-simple world, right? Um, you know, how our family really as a whole, the things that we do to really focus on living simply and not getting caught up in what everybody else is doing. Not, as I always say, not keeping up with the Joneses, but keeping up with God. And there's a lot of things that we do that feel very normal to us. And sometimes, you know, my husband and I will say, this is really different than most families. We don't realize it because it's just how we're living. But we do really make a conscious effort to live more simply and to not get caught up in what everybody else is doing and having the most things or doing the most things or, you know, really understanding that our family and what we choose to do is between us and God, and we feel very strongly about living a simple life, and that may not be for everybody. So how does our family then deal with all the different things that families deal with nowadays, you know, where it, whether it's toys or electronics or busy schedules or social activities, internet, media, um, all of those things. I sort of want to address various uh, different topics today regarding how our family intentionally chooses to keep it simple. Now, for us, it's really the desire of our heart to live a simple life. And that may not be for everybody, you know? So this is solely for those who are really, you know, sort of feeling fed up with what this world offers and wants to provide maybe a little bit more peace and quiet, a little bit more, um, a little less noise of the world, a little bit, you know, like I said, more peace um, in their household. And how can we as families choose things that are important and choose to live a life well lived for the Lord? And, you know, as a family, we're not living for anybody else except for him. And that is the number one thing that I want to teach my family and that I want to do myself. And I'm still a work in progress. I mean, I fully admit it. I have some days where I 
am so off course and I need to literally, you know, get on my knees and ask God to help redirect me. So I'm just a work in progress as well. But at the center, I always try to remember Matthew 6, 33. And I've talked about this before, but this is basically the foundation of everything because out of this, everything flows. And Matthew 6, 33 says, um, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. So when we seek him first, we naturally will desire less of this world because we'll be seeking him more. And God doesn't tell us in his Bible to seek after the things of this world. He says to seek after him and then he will provide everything else we need. So before we even begin to live simply, for our family at least, we need to keep that in mind. Every single thing we do, is this pleasing to God? Is this furthering the kingdom? Is this the way that I feel that God wants me to live? And if we're truly doing those things and we're putting him first, then we're confident that everything else is just extra and icing on the cake and will fall into place. Um, so there's a couple of different ways that we live more simply, and I'm just going to share those with you. And if you can glean something from that, great. If you're feeling these days that your family is just overburdened with clutter and chaos, then this may be a great episode for you. Um, so I'll start with things, you know, when you have kids, what comes with kids? You, most people usually think of toys, right? And the toys and the clutter and the stuff, um, how it can kind of fill up our homes, but also it can take our eyes off of, or our children's eyes off of, what's really important. So, you know, years ago, I remember when our children were really little and we felt like they had to have certain things. It's like this rite of passage of childhood, I guess. You feel like if you have a girl, she has to have the play kitchen and the little doll house. And, you know, the boys have to have all these, you know, the wood, uh, what's it called? The workshop or, you know, the little boy toys and things like that. And as my children, as it became more of them, and as they got older and I realized that I didn't enjoy the clutter of all the toys. And I saw, like I said, as I had more children, that what was really important to the children, it wasn't that they needed these things. It was that society puts it on us that, you know, all kids are going to need these certain things. And a lot of them were big, <laughs> these big toys that took up a lot of space. Um, so over the years, we have pared down toys so much. Now, my kids aren't so little anymore. My youngest is eight. So, you know, we're grow we're, we've grown out of a lot of the baby toys stage. But I could say definitely, without a doubt, that we were much more minimalistic with toys when our children were small than most people. We did not try to bombard them and give them every last thing, you know, the toy of the the year at Christmas time and everything that they needed to have. You know, you may looked at us and thought we were mean at one time because at Christmas we would do the whole three toy rule, the just three gifts at Christmas rule. Because when there's four of them, that was already 12 gifts and usually they were all sharing stuff anyway. And that's a lot of stuff. And if you don't have the space for it, the toys can really become a burden. So 
I think our, our views changed a lot from the time my children were really little to um, when the last one was really little about what they really needed. And I would say that right now, I mean, we don't have a toy room. We don't have a playroom. We have the space for it. We have a basement, but we really don't have the need to fill up on those things. Now, granted, I will say we live on a beautiful property and that allows for a lot of um, ex exploration outside, and I love to let nature really be their toys. As of I'm um, recording this right now, they're out there in the woods trying to catch frogs because that time of year where we just started hearing all the frogs. So, you know, who needs toys when you've got frogs and you're a boy? <laughs> so, um, you know, we don't have a, a even a toy room, like I said, or a playroom or anything like that. When they were little, I thought that's what everybody had to have. Like you have to have a, a fancy playroom with an easel for drawing and a craft area and a bookshelf area and, you know, dollhouse and dress up and games and all these things that just provided all these pieces that nobody could ever keep track of. And, you know, they're all great. But it, to me, really, it's, it's a lot of money to buy all those toys, first of all. Um, it's a lot of space. It's a lot of headache to keep it neat and organized. When um, you look back for generations and generations, you know, kids just have more toys now. When you look back, you know, the little house of the prairie girl at heart, when I watch that show and I see that they have like one little doll, <laughs> that's what I want. So, you know, we aren't minimalists where they have one toy, but we really, really have a very limited amount of toys. So we have at this point left really is basically just Legos, I would say. Poor kids that come visit our house, little kids. And I'm like, oh, let me go get something to keep your baby busy. I have nothing. I've got nothing. So if you're coming over, you need to bring your own toys. <laughs> um, but, you know, all kidding aside, I think an overabundance of toys just fosters more greed. Half the time they don't play with all those things. I think it satisfies parents to feel like they're giving their children things or they're keeping up with everybody more than it really satisfies the child themselves. Maybe one or two really special things, you know, a few of the educational toys like the Legos or building blocks, things like that. But a little child, especially an infant, a toddler, does not need so many toys. I mean, it's so cliche, but we all know, right? When they get toys, what do they do? They play with the box. So let them play with the recycling. Honestly, I do. I save yogurt containers, boxes, all that stuff for crafts. Little ones are happy just to play with those things. They don't know the difference that it was a $50 building block set from Toys R Us or it's just a bunch of yogurt containers stacked on top of each other. <laughs> so really toys. We have kept those to a minimum and um, we have definitely seen the fruit of that. And, you know, we all have that inner um, desire to want more stuff. So I do not want to cultivate in children at such an early age that whole desire that they just need the next new thing. So we've really tried to minimize our stuff. Um, another way of keeping things simple 
is schedules. And I know that we go against the grain for this topic with a lot of American families nowadays with the overabundance of activities. And for me, I get very overwhelmed when my schedule is too busy for my family. You know, with four kids, it can easily get very bogged down because they all want to be in different things and you're running in different directions and there's only two parents and two cars and four kids that need to go places. We are really big on family time and I won't apologize for that. I think sometimes I find myself thinking like, I have to, like, well, you know, our family likes to be together, like it's a weird thing, but it's not. We really, truly enjoy being together. And in just two years, I'm going to have an 18-year-old. So I'm going to cherish the time that we enjoy being together because I know that it's not going to last forever. And there is nothing weird about a family wanting to spend their evenings together, even though sometimes I do feel like society, you know, kind of makes it that way that like everybody should be doing their own thing and should be busy and running around and that's what equals success in my eyes that does not equal success um, busy does not equal success it really depends on what you're busy doing so we choose our activities and we try to choose them well the kids all go to a youth group at our church one night a week together um, we do a homeschool program together um, our sons have always played on the baseball team for the recreation in the spring every year. And that gets busy, but they love it. This year, actually, it's not going to happen because it really doesn't fit in with our family schedule. And that's okay. But we've always done, you know, like one sport a year. Um, my sons did robotics one year, but that was like a six, maybe eight week program. So these were short lived. Um, but when we are in a season like that, that's busy, that's it. It's like that one activity per season. We don't try to fill up on multiple different things. Um, my husband said recently we were watching something about the 60s on TV. And um, there's a documentary and we were talking about how families used to gather around the TV in the evening time together and you know, that was what they did. And my husband said, you know what, guys, we're actually like one of those 60s families because we really do um, do that. At night, we spend our evenings together and we're not all going in separate directions. So we kind of thought that was funny. I guess we're a little behind the times, but we don't care. Um, so schedules, we do a lot of things together. We try not to keep our schedule overburdened. My husband and I try to look at the calendar ahead of time. And if it starts getting too filled... There's a difference between, like I said, doing things that are, you know, fruitful and you, you're, you're busy doing them because they're good. But if they become a burdensome or if they become a burden, then we need to know that maybe we need to erase some things off the calendar and that's okay. Um, so before it gets out of control, we sort of evaluate our calendar together, um, look over the next few months coming up and see what really needs to stay and what needs to go. Another way, speaking of how we get together at night to, as a family and hang out, um, that we have really kept our lives more simple in such a complicated world is we don't have TV. And that to me is heavenly. I don't want TV. The cable company will call and ask us 
to get TV, you don't want TV. They don't understand we don't want TV. I don't care how cheap it is. I don't care the deal you're going to give me. I don't want it. <laughs> we went actually gradually to be a no TV family. We started many years ago for financial reasons, cutting out the cable and just having the basic stations. And that worked well for a while until we finally just gave up the stations altogether because we felt we didn't really even need the basic stations, especially nowadays. You can get so many different um, options through the internet. So we have Apple TV, and Apple TV is a way to watch, you know, you can watch Netflix on, uh, we have Netflix and Hulu, so um, we can watch anything on those uh, websites through our our regular TV. And, you know, there's all kinds of things out there, like the Roku is similar. Um, so you can definitely survive without typical TV. So not only does it save us a ton of money, it saves us time because we would just probably, I always say, if we had all those channels, just be sitting in front of the TV, changing the channels all the time, getting sucked into whatever was on, and probably seeing a lot of things that we really don't need to be filling our minds up with. So having Apple TV and Netflix and Hulu and things like that, that really allows for us to choose well and sometimes you know you still have to be careful of course with those things um, but we actually just started paying recently and I would recommend this I think it's like four dollars a month and it's so worth it to not have the commercials on Hulu because we found that even when we were able to choose wisely the programs that we wanted to watch for our family or the movies you still would have commercials that were just sometimes so offensive so we just started um, paying monthly not to have those. And to me, it's well worth it. So we don't get sucked into, you know, sitting in front of a TV and, and changing channels. We're very intentional about, okay, tonight after our Bible time, we're going to watch a show. What are we going to watch? And then it's bedtime. Um, so we've seen all the I Love Lucy's and the Brady Bunch reruns a million times and things like that, but we love it. Um, so we've been choosing, you know, what we want to watch, a lot of old-fashioned shows, some documentaries, sometimes we'll watch cooking shows, um, house shows, whatever it is. But we really enjoy our time together. Oh, we love Shark Tank too. And I think that's a good educational show because it really helps you if you're wanting to run your own business someday and teaches you about finances and stuff like that. So um, we, we do, we enjoy watching shows together, but it's in a much simpler way than I feel if we had traditional TV or if we had cable TV. Um, and then there is, uh, let's see, the Bible. That's what I want to talk about. Um, another way that our family really is intentionally keeping our simple life in a very complicated wor world is we have to stay grounded in the word. And we do read the Bible together every single day as a family. After dinner, we um, are reading straight through the Bible. It's We've been doing that now well over a year, probably a year and a half. Um, still in the Old Testament. We're in Isaiah right now. Um, so I don't care how long it takes us to do it, but we will get through the whole Bible together as a family. And we have our time every single night. And it really is a great way to stay grounded because I don't see how you can live in this world without the foundation of God's word. Because the world right now tells you 
nothing is true, right? Like you can just believe whatever you want and that's the truth. And, you know, there's just so much out there that's so hard to navigate. So I need my family to be equipped with absolute truth and that's the Bible so that they can function in this very crazy and chaotic world. So that's a great way to stay grounded. And I mean, I really don't know as Christian how you don't read the Bible every day, but especially, you know, trying to raise our family and to raise them up for the Lord, we need to make sure that we are together as a family in the Word every single day together and really just aligning ourselves with God's Word and what He says and what He, how He shows us how to live. So the Bible is number one probably way that our family stays grounded in this very complicated world and helps us to live more simply because when we're focused on Him, all the other stuff of this world seems to fade away. All the things that really aren't important you see that they're really not important. Um, things that feel really important all of a sudden aren't when you're looking through the lens of God. It helps you when you're in the Bible to really understand what is important in God's eyes. And that's the life I want to live. I want to live a simple life so that I am not cluttering up my life so I cannot see God's purpose and what he wants for me and for my family. Another way that we keep it simple here, and most of you probably know, but we live on a little three-acre hobby farm, we call it. It's just a tiny little uh, slice of pretend hobby farm over here. That's what we call it, our farm. Um, and my husband, you know, he always jokes around and says, you say we live in a farm, but it's on a real farm. But I'm like, yeah, it's our farm. So we call it our little um, hobby farm because that's what it is. And we, you know, it just helps us, even though there's really nothing simple about um, running, you know, a farm or uh, animals and gardening and all that stuff. It's hard work. There is something simple just about the very nature of it that, is so lost in our world today. You know, just having my children see where their food comes from, I mean, if you think about it, so many people nowadays don't even like make the connection of where their food comes from. So it's just those types of things that help keep us grounded. And sometimes doing all that work just for your own tomato or green bean or egg or whatever it is, um, is it's just, it, it connects you back with the Lord because he's the one who created all these things. And this is the way he intended for us to eat. And, um, this is the way he provided food. You know, most people nowadays just think the grocery store provides food, but really the Lord has provided food for us in so many ways. So gardening and having our little farm and our chickens and things has really helped us to stay grounded and connected to the Lord, seeing the nature, seeing how much of a miracle it is to grow your own food because, you know, you watch those plants start from seeds and grow and then eat and the whole cycle of it. There's so much more to it than just gardening. There's a spiritual aspect to it. And then there's the physical aspect of actually doing the work that I feel that glorifies God. He wants us to work hard. He talks in his word about working hard and um, being able to provide for yourself your food is an amazing thing. And then what we've been um, 
working on this past year at our little hobby farm, which we call Love's Farm, um, is we are starting a ministry where we're actually growing as much food as we can so that we can give it away in our community, not to sell it, but to give it away. Because we really feel that would be a great way to show others God's love by sharing what abundance we have with others and so there's you know all these unique things tied into the gardening there's the physical aspect of um you know keeping it simple just by doing your own uh growing of the food and your own harvesting and learning about it there's the connecting with the lord which keeps us grounded and wanting to live more simple and and live for him and then there's the sharing of the food which also um, just connects us with the community connects us with something bigger than ourselves right anytime that you are doing things for others and not for yourself i think that really keeps you so grounded and um living much more simply because a lot of the complications of our world or the lot, a lot of us that are feeling so overwhelmed and overburdened all the time, a lot of times, um, that's just such a self focus. It's like I, I need to work hard cause I want more things and you know, I need to, um, do this so that I look successful or I need to have a busy schedule so that I feel successful. And you know, it's not about us. It's about others and it's about God. So gardening and farming and doing all these things really is teaching our whole family how to live more simply so that we can really ultimately be living for God. Um, so those are just a few ways that I would say, you know, with toys, with, uh, TV, um, with our gardening, with being in the Bible, those are just a few ways of how our family is learning to keep it more simple and, you know, live more intentionally for God in this very complicated world. One last thing actually I would address too is internet, um, because that is just so overwhelming these days with the abundance of internet out there. And people ask how, as a family, do you handle that? Well, I would say as a family, we, um, only the oldest of our, our children actually really has access to internet. And she, I have to say, is a very good girl, very good teenager. Uh, trust her wholeheartedly. She knows what to do on the internet, what not to do. Um, so we are very fortunate with that. But that's because we've always been very open, even before the internet was something made available to her. So even before your child is old enough to use the internet, be talking about it, be open about it, let them know what it's all about and what's the boundaries are, even as a parent, what your boundaries are, so that you're not giving them access to the internet and then instilling the rules. Let them know what the rules will be even before they get to the internet. Um, I try to keep um, tabs on how often everybody is on the internet. You know, if I see even my husband, I'll say to him, what are you doing over there? If I see him scrolling on his phone and, um, you know, we have to try to all keep each other accountable in families because the internet is something that is a difficult place to navigate for adults. So when you're letting little ones or, or teenagers into that world, you really, really must make sure that everybody is being held accountable. So for your family, if you want to set up rules, like you're only able to go on the internet at certain times of the day, I think that's a great way to sort of go against the grain because, um, 
in our world right now, everybody's pretty much connected all the time. So sometimes for myself, I set boundaries of I can only, you know, sort of be on the internet for social reasons. Like I have to go on the internet for for my work and my ministry here. But sometimes for social reasons, I try to keep it um, early or, you know, just later at night or just check in here and there during the day when I have free time. Um, but you really need to have somebody, I think, hold you accountable if that becomes an issue. Because, and say to somebody, don't be afraid to say to somebody, can you keep me off the internet because I feel like I'm on too much? Because sometimes we need that little help and that little encouragement. But for our family, you know, internet isn't a huge issue that I have found for us. Um, that we have a hard time keeping it simple, but I definitely, like I said, keep the conversation open and let it be something that um, you're constantly talking about as a family. If you see your child is disappearing into their room for long periods of time and you don't know what's going on in there, that is a no-no. There should not be a lot of internet usage behind closed doors. Um, but it really depends on your child because, like I said, I'm, I'm, I have a very trustworthy and... Um, easy, easy teenager. So I don't, I don't feel like I have to be, um, on top of her. And there were times in the early years of just when she just had a phone for the first time where we said, you know, at any time we check your phone and all that. So you have to be very, very open to allow, to letting your children know that they don't own the phone. They don't own the internet. And at any time you can check everything and they are not to delete anything and all that. But that really depends on your relationship with your child and, you know, you know them best. But internet is another way that you can really um, get sucked in to the way this world is living right now. So it is something that definitely needs to be um, set boundaries on. So I hope those uh, different topics gave you a little bit of a glimpse into how our family keeps it simple in such a complicated world. I mean, honestly, I just... I just look at the world and I get sad sometimes because I feel like it's just in this downward spiral. So there's nowhere else, I, no other way else I would rather live right now than simply because I don't want to get caught up in all the junk out there. Yeah, I like my own little bubble that I live in here. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's living simply is not difficult for me because... I have no desire to live um, in a crazy and chaotic way. But I know for some people, they don't even know where to begin. They're kind of stuck in that rut and they're on that, you know, sort of hamster wheel of endless cycle of things and they don't know where to start. So I hope today that maybe I gave you some ideas of different areas where you can start to live more simply and to live more focused and to live more fully with your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for joining me for another episode and I will see you next time.